You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. everybody welcome to dropping the gloves i hope everybody had a good weekend tim's here tim how was your weekend it was good i was traveling most of last week for work um had those travel hiccups we talked about but it all worked out and i actually got to see larry old friend of the show old the, the original producer of dropping the gloves to so stay with him he on, uh, he's gonna stay with him saturday night he's got the baby now and she's super cute um he started a new job he says hello and all that um so yeah a lot of travel but it was good to get back yesterday and just kind of settle down a little bit for a day you know we try to pay our our employees here tim and i a decent wage but larry had you know the pasture was greener on the other side so good for larry he's making you know he's making some money good for him i guess hanging around us wasn't enough for him tim what are you gonna do not everybody enjoys that like you and i do it takes a special breed to be a dropping the gloves host it's not easy it's not, it's not easy. It, it is not easy. We're glad you're back in Traverse City. You were sorely missed. It was a good week. It was a great weekend here. I'll yeah. say that. Not even a good one. It was a great weekend. We had a lot of fun. Had a nice uh, dinner with some friends yesterday. They came over, enjoyed some laughs, had a couple cocktails. It was just a good day. It was a good old-fashioned summer night, which was good. The kids were buzzing around. There's two families there, 12 kids. <laughs> Wow. It was it was great. I was just like sitting back, me and the other dad, and I was like, man, there's a lot of kids here. And there's only just us two. It was kind of cool. And he had four daughters and two sons, and I had obviously my six. So there's 10 girls, two boys. It was a good old time. What do you want me to do? But uh, anyways, it was nice on Friday. I got a call from my old friend, Marty McSorley. You ever heard of him? I have heard of him. It's kind of cool. I, I I'm so involved in my normal life now where I just, you know, go to work, do my stuff at home, do this podcast. And it's, it always kind of strikes me when someone calls me, it's like, wait a minute, you're like super famous, Marty McSorley. Like, this is kind of interesting. Like, arguably you should be in the hall of fame. You had that kind of impact on the NHL. But he called me, wanted me to do some charity event up in Northern, uh, I want to say Alberta or BC up in Slave Lake. He's like, John, it's great. It's going to be fishing. They're hunting. You know, we, they play music. It's awesome. We can give you this amount of money. I was like, okay, you know, when is it? When do you think? He's like, it's in a week and a half, two weeks. I'm like, Marty, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it in two weeks. Like, you got to give me at least five months just to get everything, <laughs> and, you know, set up. But he's like, we got to get him on the show. That guy, yeah. he just started talking to me. He just started talking about stories like, oh, Coxie, gosh. I remember one time he came over to my house and we were partying. My cousins, he's a big dude, and Coxie – you know, was asking for rum and someone was like, who drank? They asked the bartender who drank all the rum and the bartender's like, that guy drank. And I guess Craig Cox drank all the rum in the whole bar. The night was over and he went over to Marty McSorley's cousin, who's like a big tough guy. And Craig Cox, who is a former NHL guy, tough guy, like fought Bob Probert dozens of times. He randomly asked this guy, he's like, hey, do you want to go out and fight? Like, just like totally cordial. (laughs) It's like, hey, you just want to step outside and fight? Like not even angry at the guy, didn't even know who he was. It was just Marty McSorley's cousin. And his cousin's like, no, I don't. Like, why would we do this? And Cox, he's just like, all right, sounds good. I'll, I'll find somebody else. <laughs> he just was like <laughs> going around the party trying to find someone to fight because he liked to drink and party. And then 
when that was over, he's like, oh, let's just fight. Well, it's a, he enjoyed fighting. So, and he wow. lives here in Traverse City, Craig Cox. We should get them both on. We should. But yeah, that's just Marty. Like he, he, he calls you for a random conversation. He checks in. How's the family? How's life? How you doing? Very caring individual. Like, but he just has so many stories and he has such a good memory. When we do these charity events, I leave my team's locker room just to go find Marty because I'll sit in his room for hours and he just has everybody in stitches. He's so well-spoken. He's just, the guy rode shotgun with Wayne Gretzky for a decade, you know, like he was his bodyguard for a decade, if not longer with the Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings, like the stories he has, the Stanley Cup parties going to LA, hockey being popular in LA, all the stars used to go to the games in LA. Like everybody wanted to be around the LA Kings at that time. Like it was bigger than the Lakers, bigger than the Dodgers, bigger than anything that they had going on. So I don't know. He called. It was fun. I chatted with him for – he's one of those guys where you just talk to him for like – next thing you know, you look at your phone. It's like, gosh, I've been talking for like a half an hour, Marty. I got to go. He's like, oh, <laughs> geez, has it been that long? I'm like, yes, yes. But anyways, that was kind of neat to talk to him. Good catching up with old friends. Oh, and then, Tim, you know, in northern Michigan, I don't know if people – where you guys live, all over the world we have uh, listeners, which is great. We get fruit flies here insane amount of fruit flies and i live right by a cherry orchard i woke up this morning and there must have been no kidding you five million fruit flies in my house five million there's so many so many because we had all those empty beer bottles and i kept them in my recycling bin in the house and my wife bought some flowers and put them on her piano they were just everywhere and i was like yuck Fruit flies everywhere. So I went and grabbed the vacuum. I was just sucking up fruit flies left and right for a good 45 minutes. And uh, they're still everywhere. I had to leave. I was like, I- I'm out of here. I-, I can't take it anymore. So you know, they're everywhere. I used to have, I'm not in 5 million, but I had a problem once like two years ago. And I just looked it up online. I just put this in a little dish, like a concoction of like wine, vinegar, dish soap. honey, dish yeah. soap. Yeah. And I just, and they, they go in, they're attracted to it. They can't get out. They all die. Like, I came back a day later, and there's, like, probably a couple hundred little fruit flies in this dish dead. Solved the problem. Never came back. Yeah, I did that for a while, but I found the vacuum works a lot more effective. It takes a little bit more time because you're literally hunting them with a vacuum nozzle. But I, I feel like that concoction, like, attracts them. So if there are other places, they come to that area. And if they can't find their way in... And you still have, so I just, you know, I do the roundup every morning. I got the vacuum right there and suck them all up and away we go. But boy, it was like the first hatching of all these fruit flies. Like it happened last night because this morning I was like, whoa, like heads up. I wake up before mostly, most of the kids and my wife and I went downstairs. I was like, boy, this is insane. So, you know, I just murdering fruit flies. It's what I do. It's fun. And honestly, it becomes a sport where they run and you're like, nah, I got long arms for fly. <laughs> gotcha. So that was my morning and that was my weekend. It was a good time. It was really good. I'm having a better time than um, Elias Pettersson is having. You know why? Yeah, he's, he's not sold on the weeks. Vancouver Canucks, Tim. He's not sold on it. What is going on with these Canadian teams? In all honesty, nobody wants to play in Edmonton. Vancouver, there's all kinds of turmoil. Toronto always has a really hard time of drawing free agents. The only really big one they've ever gotten is John Tavares. Everybody else shies away from Toronto. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, they're eh, the, maybe not in that boat. Nobody wants to play in Winnipeg. It's just, it's just very cold, very dark, very depressing place to play. The fans are great. I love Winnipeg as a city. 
It's just a, geographically tough sledding. And Calgary this is in the same boat. You have some RFAs who aren't signing the deal. They're, you know, Kachuks. There's always the ever un- unending rumors about him being traded. And, you know, uh, Johnny Gaudreau is not happy. There's butting heads. What is going on north of the border where all of these players and all the prime players, they just don't want to be there. You look at Adam Larson in Edmonton. He had the chance to stay there, stay with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreinsidel. He's like, no, I'm going to jump ship. I'm going to go south. What is happening? Just break down Pedersen's comments. What, Tim? You're the insider for Boston and Canada, I thought. Yeah, insider for both. Well, for Pedersen. Well, give us Pedersen's comments because they are striking. They really are. Yeah, so this is the quote here with um, a, a, a hockey program over in Sweden. Basically, he said, my agents do all the talking with the Canucks, and then they inform me about what's going on. Right now, we're not in an agreement, but I'm not worried that we're not going. That we're that we're, I'm not double negative. I'm not worried that we're not going to solve it eventually. Both parties need to be happy in order to find a solution, but I'm not worried about that. So right there, he sounds worried. He's like he's not totally confident that a they're going to get a deal done, or b that he even wants to be there in the first place. Anytime you have to re-emphasize, I'm not worried. You know, I'm not worried about it. Seriously, though, I'm not worried. It's going to happen. We're fine. Everything's fine. I'm not worried. You're very worried that something like there's definitely some issues going on right now in Vancouver. It's funny how <laughs> the double negative, I, I'm not a grammar Nazi. I'm not like, that's not, but when someone like makes an obvious faux pas there, it's like, I'm not worried that we're not going to solve it eventually. That means you are worried. You know, it's just funny. But anyways, what else did he say? He had a couple more interesting quotes that it's funny. These guys do these interviews in other countries you think they would learn it's going to get back to the North America pretty quickly. That happened with Nikita Zadorov when he was talking about McKinnon. We've seen in years past guys talking to their hometown paper. It's like, oh, tell us how you feel. It gets picked up like that. And then it just causes a huge firestorm here. I bet you people in Vancouver are like, what is happening? Why, why is he saying this? And there's panic mode. Press the button. Mur, mur, Defcon 5. But all right, what else did Pedersen have to say? Yeah, so he said, I want to stay in Vancouver now, but I but... – I also want to play for a team that's winning and has the chance to go far into the playoffs every year. I feel like we've got a chance to do that next year. If we have that chance when my next deal expires, I don't know. I just want to play where there's a chance of winning. Whoa. So if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you're a fan or a GM or a player, this is your franchise guy, right? This is the player who, when you think of the Vancouver Canucks, it's not Bo Horvat. It's, it's not Brock Besser. It's not any of these guys. It's Elias Pettersson. This is the guy. He, he's 22 years old. He has came out of nowhere. He had 66 points his first year, 66 his second, 21 points last year in an injury-shortened season. He only played 26 games. This is a point-per-game guy, and he's only getting better. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's a big dude. He's, what is he, 6'2", 6'3"? Like, he's... He's going to be a force in this league if he already isn't. You don't want your franchise player saying, well, I want to stay there now, but you don't want that but. You want your franchise guy saying, I want to stay here. I'm going to continue with this process. We're going to win a Stanley Cup here in Vancouver. Now, this is it. That's my only goal on earth is to win a Stanley Cup with the Vancouver Canucks. When your guy comes out and he goes, you know what? I'm not worried. We're going to get something worked out. We're going to find a deal that works for everybody. I want to win in Vancouver. I want to stay here. 
but you know, we have a good team this year, but you know what? Maybe I might, I might leave because if we're not going to win, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to jump ship. Is that just the mentality of kids today? I, and I know I, I, I say this quite a bit, how kids don't want to work for anything. They don't want to go through adversity. They don't want to, you know, go take the hard road. It seems to me that this is clear cut that Pedersen, he just wants to join a championship team and just coast, not coast, but have a very, very, very good chance to win a Stanley Cup. He doesn't want to be the first cog of a championship run. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to have to slug through 10 years of adversity like Stamkos did or Ovechkin did. He wants to go to a situation that is really, really good right now where they're already in the playoffs, where they're already a contender, and he wants to have that gift draft for him and say, all right, I'm going to come in here and push you guys over the edge. I don't know if that's fair because, like, I mean, he's not certainly not the first player ever to say, hey, I want to go where I have a chance of winning a cup. And Vancouver, I think, he's, it's, he's probably been frustrated by some of the moves they've made, some of the performance, underperforming, not really making the deep playoff runs when we thought they had a chance to do so. And he's I been think- in the league three years. He's been in the league three years. He's a baby. The guys who go for Stanley Cups – Patrick Marlowe, Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, guys who have been in the league 15-plus years, Corey Perry. This is not a, a, a veteran. This is not a guy who's been through wars. He's been in the league three years. His third year, he didn't even play a full season because he was injured. For him to come out with these comments, to me, it's, it's very, very just striking and glaring. It, if I'm the GM, I'm questioning – if I want this guy on my team, because if he's already talking about jumping ship, if we're not winning, it's like, what good are you? You only want to stay here for really good. You're not going to, you know, stick around. If we have a bad season, you're already looking for greener pastures. It's just enigmatic of the problem with kids these days. And I, and I truly believe that everything's handed to them on a silver platter. They don't have to work for anything. Everything is easy for them. Whenever they have a little adversity, he had huge success his first year, his second year. They were, they were massive. They, they had Their expectations were high this past year, and they totally sunk. They had a bad year. Now all of a sudden he's questioning his time in Vancouver. Well, you know, if, if we're not going to win, maybe I'm going to go somewhere else. It's like, screw you, bud. You know what I mean? We gave you this opportunity. We drafted you. You're a, you're a Vancouver Canuck. This is not something where you can just take that lightly. It's like, oh, now you're going to leave because we're not – succeeding as quick as you want it's like you've been in the league for three years three two of those were in a bubble you stinker it's just like what do you, come on man have a little backbone what do you think someone like bo horvat thinks when he hears these comments he shakes his head bo's been through the battles he's the captain he's like who, who is this kid saying this stuff if i'm bo horvat i'm calling the gm like good he doesn't want to be here beat it Let's trade him. Let's get some assets for this kid. If he's going to come in here and like pout because we're not winning or we're not living up to expectations instead of going in there early and working and doing his part to try to make us a better team, this, these comments, and I know maybe I'm being a little more – I'm overblowing them, but I think it's a big deal that he's saying this. It's a very big deal. I feel like this is – okay. I feel like we got a chance to do that next year, go to the playoffs – if we have that chance with my next, when my next deal expires, I don't know. He says, I don't know. I just want to play where there's a chance of winning. Every team has a chance of winning, Elias. What's his name? Elias? 
Elias, stupid name. Every team has a chance of winning. You know what I mean? It's not – he just wants to be the Golden State Warriors. He wants to, you know, let's get the juggernaut team. I'm going to go play at the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant. You're putting words in his mouth now. He didn't say any of that. He wants to go I don't know. I think you're reading more into this than I am. And, I mean, I think you're right. He's probably – he's been in the league for three years and – Maybe he just needs to put his time in. Stamkos and Ovechkin are two great examples. But no one wants to suffer for a decade in order to win a cup. Wouldn't you rather go a place where you can win three, four cups over the chance or have deep playoff runs every year? I mean, you know, in fairness to, to what your point is, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd be excited about the future of Vancouver. I don't know if there's a better – or there are far – there aren't that many better combinations of, like, young forward, young defensemen than him and Quinn Hughes. I mean, those are, fran- those are franchise pieces you can build around. So I got to think, I don't know, if I'm a Vancouver fan, if I'm, if I'm in the organization, I'm excited about the future of this franchise. I don't know yeah. why he doesn't seem, I don't know. Maybe he just got him on a bad day. Maybe it didn't translate the way that we're reading it. I, I don't know. No, it translated perfectly. He said exactly what he wanted to say. He doesn't want to work hard for this. He wants to get, he wants to pick his destination and that's where he wants to go. And it's, it's what's happening. This, this is how kids are. And this is going to become the norm moving forward where the teams don't have the power anymore. It's going to be the player who controls the, the situation of where they go, how long they stay in a certain team. It, it, we see it in basketball. We, we see it now in football players holding out all the time. Every offseason, there's a guy who's holding out who still has like five years left on his deal. I was like, how are you holding out? How is this possible? He's like, well, I outperformed my contract. It's like, uh, well, yeah, but you're still under contract. I think this is going to happen with the NHL. I don't think it'll happen to that extent where players are holding out. We're like, we want more money, but it's, it's just becoming a problem. And I, I can't say that I'm a fan of it, but if you're Pedersen, like what, like you said, what other situation can you have that is, is better than Vancouver at this point? No one's going to take on your contract. That's you're going to be able to slide into a championship team. You have a really good team. And by making these comments, you're just creating ripples and drama that are unnecessary. It just puts pressure on everybody. Like, oh well, we better do good now, or else Pedersen's going to leave. And it's like, are you that good to be like holding the Vancouver Canucks hostage? Like, you know, like you're a very you have a very good rookie season. I'll give you that. You had a very good sophomore season. You were hurt last year. Let's see what you got to do. Let's see. Let's see how this year goes. Then you can start making demands. You're still, you know, you've been in the league three years, kid. Like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. This stuff bothers me. It does. He hasn't signed yet. What do you think his number is? Well, that's a th- I don't I don't know. There's a lot of guys who are unsigned. He's going And this is where the problem comes in. Usually typically a team would sign him for 7 years. Lock him up for long term. Guys want to take the bridge deal now to get into UFA on un- unrestricted free agency quicker. So I don't know what it is. I think his number is going to be 8 and it's going to be for 6 6 years. I think that's what he's shooting for. But again, his sample size is so small where you could get him locked into a deal and he doesn't turn out to be that guy. And then you're locked into a guy who's, who's a good player, but not great. And you're paying him franchise player money. So there's always a risk there. You know, he was drafted, what, fifth overall, I think, sixth overall. He's a good player. They're going to get it locked up. He's, he's so dynamic on the ice. Like, he's a very entertaining player. We'll see where it goes from here. I, I think they get him locked up. I think they finish the deal. They have to. Like he's not going anywhere. It's uh, gosh, why? Why would he put his foot in his mouth? I don't understand. It just doesn't make sense to me. Don't make that 
comment unless he's like pressuring Vancouver and he's doing this as like a tactic or a ploy to get more money out of him. I don't know. I don't know, but it's just kids these days. Kids so, these days. That's my other question is like, do you think this is like a pattern or an isolated incident? Like, are there any other examples where you're talking about kids these days? But I don't know. It's just Elias Patterson making one comment in a foreign newspaper. Is that really that big a deal? Well, it happens more often than not. And you look at the uh, Kapril Kaprizov situation in Minnesota. So, well, what are, what, are the, what are the tweets that got sent out was Frank Cervelli. He tweeted out that <clears throat> there was a KHL team that has put an offer into Kapril Kaprizov. <clears throat> I think it was $12 million for Kapril Kaprizov. And it was the S- CSKA or whatever. What, what does that mean, CSKA? Who cares? It's just a it's just a Russian KHL team that has offered Kirill Kaprizov this contract. It doesn't mean anything. This this is a joke of a contract that they're offering to Kirill Kaprizov. But to me, this is Kaprizov's agent stirring the waters, trying to get this kid more money, trying to create some controversy, maybe making Minnesota second guess. It just seems to me like again, Kirill Kaprizov has been in the league for what one year. He's been in the league one year, and he's already causing a stink with the Minnesota Wild, trying to get maximum – and good for him, trying to get maximum amount of money. But it's just – it's showing you the way things are going. Fifteen years ago, all the power was held by the guys who were 25, 26, 27 plus. Those were the guys who were getting the big money. Those were the guys who were demanding term, money, all that sort of thing. Now – it's the guys who are 22 years old who control the narrative. They, they are the guys who control the money, control the term, control everything. And it's, it's shifted. So if you're a vet now who's been in the league and you're 26, 27, 28, you're almost an afterthought for teams. You're like, we know we can sign you. You're not getting the big bucks anymore. It's these young guys who we have to lock up in their prime. And is it a good thing? I don't know. Is it a bad thing? I don't know. It's different how teams are – just negotiating. It, it's really interesting. So you have this Capril Kaprizov situation where Frank Saravelli, friend of the show, Daily Faceoff, check it out. He tweets out, okay, you know, we've heard some news coming from Russia. Kapril Kaprizov's been offered $10 million for one year, which is 12 million. Did I say 10 million or 12 million? You said 10. It's 12 million bucks for one year, which is a huge amount of money. It would make him the highest played hockey player on the planet. Like, that's a massive amount of money for Kirill Kaprizov. It puts the pressure on Minnesota Wild. They've been locked in a stalemate where Minnesota wants more term. Kaprizov wants less term. They're pretty close on the dollar amount, but it's just a term. Because Kaprizov, he is 24 years old. If he signs a term that takes him to 30, 31, you know, no one's going to give him the big money. But if he signs a four-year deal, brings him to 28, he's still in his prime. He's still going to get maximum amount of money for his contract. And I think what you're seeing now is players are terming their contract to when they think the salary cap will begin to rise a little bit. Because even for the next two, three years, the salary cap's going to remain flat, if not jump just a tad. So there will be a big jump, I think, in three, four years. So they do have a big correction. It's like, okay, we're back to business. Let's pump it up by 10 million bucks. Let's get back to normal. But right now... So they, they get this offer from Russia. Minnesota's like, wait a minute, $12 million. It's trying to make them panic. I don't think – he's not going back to Russia. Nobody wants to play in Russia. Nobody. 
every Russian I've talked to, every Russian I've played with, every Russian I've been around, every Russian I've seen on TV in a documentary or interview or whatever, they do not want to be in Russia. Vladimir Putin does not want to be in Russia. Everyone wants to come to the USA. It's the greatest country in the world. The NHL is the greatest league in the world. Everybody wants to come here. So for him to be like, you know what? Maybe I will go play back in CSKA. Good. Go play there. It's a terrible place to play. You want to be in Minnesota. You want to go fly to the New York Rangers and play them. You want to go play in Chicago in the Madhouse. Like, There is something to be said. I'm an NHL player. I'm in the best league in the world. The KHL... It might be the second or third best league in the world. You know, there's a toss-up. Tim thinks all stats in the KHL go towards Hall of Fame, you know, candidacy. I don't agree with that. But I don't know. It's just, where do you think Kaprizov lands his contract situation right now? He is a very, I don't know what his contract, he's still on his entry-level deal, but it's weird because he played in Russia. He's been a professional for a while. What is a good number for Kirill Kaprizov in term, in your mind? Well, I forget the exact number, but he's turned down some pretty big offers, like six years at eight million or something like that. And he, he said no, or eight years at six. Like he and he didn't want that. Um, but it would be interesting to see, like, if he turns an offer like that down, how it sets up the situation where he's going to act like he's going to go to the KHL. Bill Bill Guerin calls his bluff, and then he comes back saying, "All right, I'll go back. I'll take that deal." And Guerin's like, "Well, that deal's not on the table anymore." We'll give you a smaller deal. We'll give you five years at seven million or something like that. Just to I don't know, call his bluff and say, hey, we wanted you for that term, but then you tried to mess around, and now we're going to sign you for less money. Do you think there's any chance that happens? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I do think if, if they don't give him what he wants, he will go play in Russia. When you have that substantial amount of money on the table, you will go back. I do think at the end of the day, Minnesota does cave, and they give Caprice up what they want because – what he wants, excuse me, because he does hold all the cards. He's played in Russia before. He knows what it's like. He knows he can get a ton of money there. Like Minnesota, they've offered him north of $9 million. Rumors, that's a speculation. Mike Russo, who's a very reliable person in Minnesota, he covers them top to bottom, back and front. He said they have offered them a seven- or eight-year contract worth $9 bucks. So that's a lot of – $9 million? seven or eight years and you've only been in the league one year. Like that's a lot of money to turn down. And this is where it all comes down to term. Kirill Kaprizov said he would be willing to take less money for less term. So I bet you he's offering his camp. He's like, okay, let's do a four-year deal for $6 million because then after four years, I can go wherever I want. This tells me that he maybe isn't in love with Minnesota. He doesn't want to stay there long-term. He's not in it for the long haul. Hmm. Maybe he wants to go somewhere that he can win pretty easy. Maybe he doesn't want to, you know, dig in for the long haul and build a champion and do it himself. He wants to go play on a team that already has two or three proven superstars and he can just jump in there and be a winner. It's just these kids. Kids, good for them. You know, more power to them. They're they're picking, they're controlling their narrative. They they control wherever they want to go. But it just, gone are the days when when you have a guy like Alex Alex Ovechkin or Steven Samkos, like we've said before, it's like, I'm going to stay in Tampa Bay and I'm going to make this team a champion. Even though we flamed out in the playoffs for the last 17 years, this is my team. I'm the captain. I'm going to stay here. Alex Ovechkin, I can go anywhere I want. He's been a UFA before. I'm going to stay in Washington, and I'm going to build a champion right here. It's just, it's very Jonathan Taves is the same way, Sidney Crosby, same way. It's just very old school mentality where it's like, this is my team. They drafted me. I'm going to have some 
just loyalty to this franchise and they've treated me right. And I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do them right. I'm going to get them, get them a, get them a Stanley cup. So I don't know at the end of the day, if, if they don't get a deal done, I think Minnesota trades them and he goes somewhere else and he, and he signs a short term deal and that's where he plays. But what, what a sad situation. It used to be a guy was an RFA and he would sign just like that. And it would be like a done deal. There'd be no ifs, ands or buts about it. It would just be, contract good see up you can be an ufa in like six years now there's so much stuff behind the scenes and maneuvering and this and that and trying to get a better deal and i get it but it's kind of slimy i don't i don't really care for it petterson eh, maybe i won't be here if we're not really really good screw you kid you know beat it go go somewhere else go somewhere else where it's easier you don't need to have sushi every day and watch orca whales crest in the ocean it's beautiful in vancouver i love it i would love to just play in Vancouver, even if we were the last place team. You're an NHL player. Work for it, you bum. Nothing's given in this life. Everything you have to work for. But apparently these kids need a life lesson. Wait till they're done with that. Anyways, they'll never have to work for anything in their life. These kids. On the other end of the spectrum, Joe Thornton, who's old enough to be these kids' dad, just signed a one-year you know, minimum vet deal in Florida which I think is cool. He made some comments about just watching them in the bubble last year, the Tampa series and realized they had something good brewing. I think he fits in well with those guys. You thought he was done. You didn't think he was going to sign another contract. Were you surprised to see him? Very surprising to see him sign a and B the, the team that he went to. Do you honestly think there was a lot of suitors lining up for Joe Thornton? Uh, probably not. No. I mean, Florida is, you know, they're not, they're, I don't think they're a serious contender, but they're a good team. I think they're capable of winning a round or two. So I don't know. I, it's not a bad pick for him, but no, I don't think there are that many guys interested in, in Jumbo at this point. I agree. I, I think the amount of, you know, suitors where you could probably count on one hand, missing a few fingers. It's, um, it's a good spot for Joe. You made a wise joke about, oh, he's going there to retire. That's where everyone goes to retire. I, I got a little chuckle out of that. He's been in the NHL for 24 years. Like, this guy has been in the NHL for 24 years. Pedersen's been alive for 22 years, if that puts anything into perspective. Joe Thornton was in the NHL before Pedersen was alive. Like, it just it's, – it's wild to see what he's doing. He's still productive. If you put him in the right situation, I think Florida has a good team. They – I don't think they exceeded expectations last year. I think they right where they wanted to be. But uh, does he change the dynamic? Does he put them over the top? Does he change their, you know, outlook? Tampa's still the juggernaut in that division. Carolina, I think, would I would put ahead of Florida at this point. It's um, – I think what he's hoping for is to go to Florida, have a good season, and then get traded to a team that's a really, really good Stanley Cup contender. That's what he's doing. That's what Patty Marlowe's hoping to do. That's what all these guys – they go somewhere. They hope they can show they still got enough gas in the tank. Come trade deadline, if Florida's not in the mix for a contender, you know, if they're a six seed, seven seed, you trade Joe Thornton to a, to a contender to try to get him a cup. That, that's what he's hoping for. I, I hope it works out for him. There's nothing more I would love to see than Joe just lifting a cup over his head. That'd be so great. No, no. I, it, it shocked me to see him sign, though. And then it got me thinking, like, what better nickname in all of sports is, is there than Jumbo? Is there any other guy in any sports that, that has a nickname where it's like, that's Jumbo, you think of Joe Thornton? Maybe Big Poppy? Would that be a nickname? I couldn't think of any other ones that were like, that's the guy, Jumbo. He just got a great nickname. Very cool. Yeah, and I can't think of any either. Um, and just before we wrap up, did you see this whole Jack Eichel billboard thing? 
It's it's incredible. It's just honestly, it's this this whole saga needs to go away. I know. What did the billboard say? So Ryan Mead, who's the host of a Rangers podcast called The Blue Shirts Breakaway, um, him and his crew or whatever bought a billboard in Buffalo, effective this morning, Monday morning, um, in Buffalo, demanding a Jack Eichel trade. He tweeted out, Buffalo, the time has come. Starting today for the next two weeks, in honor of the 300th episode, Blue Shirts Breakaway has purchased a billboard, an I-190, next to the Buffalo Sabres' key bank arena, demanding an Eichel trade. We all want this Jack, Jack Eichel saga to end. Hashtag free Jack. And this billboard is huge, obviously, big blue. And it says in white, aren't trade requests a pain in the neck? Which is where Eichel's whole thing is, right? The neck injury. And then hashtag free Jack, which is just, I don't know. It's going to be trending on Twitter. It's really a bold move. I don't know how much it cost him to do that. It's pretty funny, though. It's funny. There's a, there's a picture of a, a sad-looking buffalo with Jack Eichel's hair beside the quote, free Jack, <laughs> hashtag. So, eh, something needs to be done. You know, we, we talked to – who was it? Dylan Cousins. We talked to Reese Delinen. We cover the Sabres pretty, pretty close here. No one wants to go into camp seeing Jack Eichel walk into the room if you're a guy in that locker room. It's just going to be uncomfortable. It's just – there's enough stuff has been done where it's like they need to move on from him. He can't step into that locker room and be like, hey, like everything is normal. Everything is not normal. You've shown your cards. You don't want to be in Buffalo. So, I don't know. Hopefully they get the situation rectified before camp because that date is vastly approaching. Like it's the middle of August. Camp is around the corner. They need to get something done there quick. They need to figure out his health situation, whether he's going to get surgery, whether he's not. No team's going to touch him until that situation is – finalized it's just it's just matter of fact no one's going to trade for a guy with a broken neck no uh way to fix it so i don't know it's funny though the fans they, he's not going to the rangers he's not going to the rangers they got zabinajad they got panarin he's not going there they got a lot of contracts they got to resign he's going to la he's going to anaheim he's going to la I'm telling he's you. not I'm going to la that. they don't have the cap for it they don't they'll, they'll the make it work you make it work for a jack eichel all right everybody well very excited we got uh, mario ferraro coming on the show San Jose Sharks, young defenseman, kind of propping up Brent Burns, that old fart. He just does his best to make sure he, he looks good on the ice. So he'll be joining the show on Wednesday. It'll be fun to talk to him. So uh, check it out. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And uh, go to DoorDash. Get yourself some food. DoorDash, promo code GLOVESDD. Get some food in your belly. Always a good thing. Support the show. Support your tummy. Support DoorDash. DoorDash.com, the DoorDash app, promo code GLOVESDD. Everybody's a winner. Everybody's happy. Appreciate the support, everybody. Have a good day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.